Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, but not really for this week, Jimmy Traina. Uh, give you a little quick preview of what's to come. I'm actually off on vacation enjoying the end of the summer before football starts. Uh, my media colleague at SI.com, Jacob Feldman, is filling in for me this week. He has a roundtable interview with... Uh, Peter King, Bob Lee, and Killian, and Dave Sims. So we got some uh, some of the titans here in sports media with Peter King and Bob Lee uh, on this episode. Uh, it was a roundtable discussion that took place at the National Sports Media Hall of Fame induction in late June. Uh, Jacob is here with me now. Jacob, uh, you want to give us just like a quick uh, preview of what's to come here on the SI Media Podcast? Uh, sure. First off, hope you're enjoying the vacation that you're uh, midway through and when yes. people are listening to this. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun getting them. I, I'll tell you, uh, I have a lot more respect for bookers now after trying to get four people in, in one room at one time for an hour, but uh, they, were, they were gracious enough to yeah. do it on, on a Monday afternoon, I think it was. So it was a lot of fun. It was funny. I, I went in with, with two dozen questions. I think I maybe asked five uh, just because of how good a conversation was. I mean, these are four, like you said, titans of, of sports journalism who probably have over 100 years easily right. of experience. So you, did you, you just covered the state of sports media? and Yeah, we, we talked okay. about um, you know, we talked about some misconceptions. It's interesting. They have four very different jobs. Some, you know, Dave Sims works for the Mariners right. in a lot of ways. And so the different ways and maybe the things people don't understand about media, we talked about uh, their abilities to stay fans. And then, yeah, we talked about politics, debate shows, um, LeVar Ball was, was mentioned, uh, had a great conversation about 
this owner versus governor debate and, and kind of the words we use. So yeah, we, we covered we covered the the whole field. That's pretty much the only way he'll ever get mentioned on this podcast because <laughs> I won't ever do exactly. It. But uh, all right, so um, if you're listening here, just a quick uh, quick couple of quick notes. Make sure uh, you subscribe. And if you didn't check it out last week, we had Jim Miller on who talked about uh, Ed Werder going back to ESPN and the fallout from the Dan Lebertard controversy. We got into ESPN and politics a little bit, talked some pop culture stuff, Kirby Enthusiasm, Eddie Murphy. So if you haven't listened to uh, Jim Miller last week, check that out. Two weeks ago, Stone Cold was on the podcast. I will be back with you next week. We get ready for football, so hopefully we'll have some good guests lined up as a college and NFL quickly approach. And on this episode, like I said, my SI.com media colleague, Jacob Feldman, who you can find on Twitter, Jacob Feldman 4, has a roundtable interview with Peter King, Dave Sims, and Killian, and Bob Lee. And that's right now on the SI Media Podcast. Hello from historic Winston-Salem, North Carolina. My name is Jacob Feldman. I'm a media reporter at Sports Illustrated. I'm thrilled today to be joined by four sports media titans, each of whom will be receiving an award from the National Sports Media Association in a matter of hours, but they're willing to stop by for a little chat first. So we're going to go around here. I guess I'll start with Anne. Anne Killian is receiving California's Best Sports Writer Award for the third time in five years. Is that right? Yeah. And has been called America's Best Columnist. A Bay Area native, she joined the San Francisco Chronicle as a columnist in 2012, but has spent decades covering area teams, reporting on, by my count, 10 Olympic Games, 6 World Cup. She's actually taking time away from covering the U.S. women as we speak, probably. <laughs> At least from watching. <laughs> At least from watching. And, and has written about athletes from Barry Bonds to Colin Kaepernick to Kevin Durant. So it's amazing how many stories seem to revolve around San Francisco these days. Yeah. Uh, next up here, we have Bob Lee, who needs hardly an introduction. Bob Lee is entering the Hall of Fame this year. Congratulations, Thank Bob. Thank you very much. He's ESPN's longest-serving commentator, joining the network on its third day of operation in 1979. He's become the go-to voice in breaking news situations for Magic Johnson's AIDS announcement to the aftermath of 9-11. He's been described as a dream father-in-law by Brian Curtis of The Ringer and ESPN's <laughs> voice of record. Did he talk to Matt? <laughs> God bless him. And he's interviewed four sitting presidents? Ah, uh, That's correct. But some of them were standing at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And he's currently on sabbatical from the network. Next up, uh, we have Dave Sims all the way from Seattle. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good to be here. Thank you for coming. Dave Sims is this this year's Washington Sportscaster of the Year. He's handled play-by-play duties for the Seattle Mariners for over a decade, but has also called games for ESPN and Fox Sports, as well as doing NFL work for Westwood One and CBS Radio Sports. A two-time Emmy winner, David appears on MLB Network and co-hosts Basketball and Beyond with Coach K for SiriusXM Satellite Radio. Initially a writer for the New York Daily News, Dave has uh, pretty much done it all. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Thanks for the and invite. Last but not least here to my right, uh, Peter King. He is entering the Hall of Fame with Bob after nearly 40 years of unmatched NFL coverage. He wrote for Sports Illustrated from 1989 till 2018, including by way of disclosure, 18th months as my boss at the MMQB, <laughs> and before joining NBC Sports, where he appears on Football, and Football Night in America, before putting together his weekly must-read column, Football Morning in America. He's been named National Sports Writer of the Year three times, and he has been a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector since 1992. Good to see you again, Peter. Jacob, thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. So I'm going to start off broad. I'm not going to direct these questions to anyone in particular, but we'll do it second grade style. If you don't speak up, I'll pick somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> so what do people understand least about your work, about, about this job, about sports media? Uh, well, you're looking at me, so I'll, <laughs> I'll answer. Um, I think they don't understand that we aren't fans. Um, I think people 
often will say, you know, your team um, about someone I cover or um, you guys. Uh, they don't under most of us got into this world and this business because we are we were sports fans. We love sports. Um, we love the way it can bring people together. We love the stories there are to tell. But you get the fandom washed out of you pretty quickly. And if you don't, you really shouldn't stay in the business. But um, having said that, of course, we get attached to humans. And so if a player, for example, Alex Smith, a guy I, <coughs> I covered who was treated not very well in, in San Francisco, goes off to make his way with another team, I find myself actually having a strong rooting interest um, in, you know, seeing someone like that succeed. But I think that's one of the major misconceptions about our jobs. And I want to, I subscribe to that for all the years <laughs> I was a newspaper guy uh, and, and for most of my broadcast career. But since I've been with one team and getting paid by that team, I'm a fan of the Seattle <laughs> well, Mariners. Those of us who aren't paid by a team. <laughs> but I mean, but I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But I remember uh, Gary Cohn, who does the Mets on TV, and when I got this job, he says, you no longer are parachuting in. You have a, a team. You have your guys. And I always think back to when Phil Rizzuto sometimes would get a lot of grief for being, you know, being a homer. I get it because you're with yeah. these guys all the time. I get I'm, You know, when the Mariners do something, especially if it's good stuff and we're in contention, man, you can just hear it in my voice. But I'm a Mets guy. <laughs> and I watch Gary and listen to him all the time. And I, right. being down here in North Carolina for the weekend, I have not, I want to be able to listen to how the, he and Keith and Ronnie on SNY <laughs> are dealing great. with this meltdown. Yeah. And, and he's yeah. a perfect example of a guy who's able to walk that line. We mm -hmm. know where the paycheck's coming mm -hmm. from. And they don't have to get into every single nook and cranny in detail. But they will have an informed opinion right. and they will – You'll know where they stand, and just by the tone of voice, and they walk that, and it's a delicate oh, line. Oh, you have point. no Extremely idea! Oh delicate. my God, it's so delicate. <laughs> I mean, it's sometimes a couple of word choices. Years ago, I said something, and it wasn't anything inflammatory. I didn't think, and and some executive was listening. You know, tell Dave Sims to stop saying. The word knock. I mm. said, knock? I said, you know, we need about three base knocks right here. I said, I, I wish I had said something a little bit more controversial, but people are listening in that regard. So when you talk about walking that, you know, it's a, a very delicate line when stuff, bad stuff does happen, man, you really have to watch what you're doing. I, I think the most interesting thing about this job over the years that I've learned, Jacob, is that um, it's just like what guys like Chris Collinsworth and, and uh, Joe Buck talk about all the time that it wouldn't matter if you had a million people listening to what you say and you just said that the Green Bay Packers are the greatest franchise with the greatest players with this, you would have 3% of the fans <laughs> mm -hmm. to say, oh, this guy is anti-Packer. <laughs> and so what I have found over the years, especially with the advent of Twitter in when I got into it in 2009, um, you know, the first year or so, I really engaged with the turd balls on Twitter. <laughs> Roger and that. I Bad would idea. throw it right yeah. back at him. And finally, my wife once said, she said, don't you understand that you're never going to win? Mm -hmm. You will never win. And But the bottom line in our business is that I don't root for a team. I've never rooted for a team. I root for my story. Yeah. That's what I root for. Which is one reason that a lot of print reporters root for blowouts. <laughs> they go, wasn't that a great game? I'm like, yeah. oh, it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But the other part of it, the other part of it, and I would just say this, is that I think when you have done it for a long time, I, I, the only thing that I really care about at the end of the day, I, I, I mean, probably if you ask 
you know, 50, you know, just normal, significant readers of my column over the years, they'll say, you're in the bag for the Patriots. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's five (laughs) significant people on the New England Patriots who won't talk to me, including Bill Belichick. And I mean, so (laughs) I have done some things over the years, obviously, that some people in that organization don't like. And the bottom line is, you're never going to make everybody happy. All you can do is your job. Right. You know, whether yeah. whether you're working for a team, whether you're working for a network that has all those business relationships. Right. And, you know, at, with us, you know, the phone's never rung. The arm's never been twisted. We do what we do. And uh, you talk about having the fan washed out of you a long time ago. Yeah. And, and, and I miss that. I mm. do miss that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're focusing, well, what does that mean in a business sense? You know, <laughs> NFL story that Peter's breaking or whatnot. And can't I just sit back and hope for, you know, a touchdown? Because I'm a Giants fan, and the best part of, you know, living in New England is knowing that, you know, I my club took two rings <laughs> right out of the grasp of the Patriots. But you're not going to get into that on OTL. It's nice to carry it around in your soul. You're not going to parade that far. Do you, do you find little, you know, areas of, of sports that you can kind of keep away from, from the journalistic element? You know, that's the sport you're not doing play-by-play yeah, play on I'm, or the sport you're not yeah, covering? I'm, not, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a Red Sox fan, yeah, period. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that isn't why I've never covered baseball. I covered baseball early in my career covering the Big Red Machine in Cincinnati. Nice. I loved it. It's so much fun. But I do find this, that I've been offered twice – the ability to go cover baseball once to write the baseball column at Sports Illustrated. And I just thought, you know what? I love on a warm July afternoon (laughs) going to the ballpark, having four beers and keeping score and watching a game. I kind of don't want to do it as a job. I, uh, my fandom I, goes to the Philadelphia Eagles where I grew up. I'm still, I mean, I can remember first <laughs> game I went. I think the first game I went to see, the Eagles played. And as I like, as I recall the story, recall a story it was like black jesus coming to town because jim brown and the browns were coming in and everybody i knew that was you know african-american in philadelphia wanted to beat her and see that guy against against the eagles and i've never forgotten that i keep mine to uh like the epl to professional soccer leagues since the Mm. u.s doesn't really have a professional soccer Mm -hmm. league no offense mls but um no offense to espn's coverage i'm not i'm not disagreeing (laughs) on your assessment of the level of play it's fabulous to wake up in the morning at you know six o'clock in the morning and turn on a liverpool game and that's where my fandom comes out okay but ann what about what about the teams like in portland in seattle that's that's the that's okay they have huge fan bases okay your sentence can end right there, though. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the best thing about the MLS. They yeah. are that's those are great little markets, not little markets. Those are significant. I teams. told Don Garber one time that he should move the league office to either Portland or Seattle or Vancouver because that is where people right. are nuts about they MLS. They are nuts. It's yeah. it's just the quality of the league. You know, when you watch leagues around the world yeah. like I do I, you get up and or I'm also a Real Madrid fan you, wow. it's just not you've got to root for someone who hasn't had all the silver <laughs> and Liverpool Real Madrid I'm a Spurs guy I mean, I've been through okay. thick and thin but yeah, only recently the only recently how do you get to be a fan of Tottenham let's I just will tell say. you the story tell me alright 1997 we're in Marseille to cover the World Cup draw and Seamus Mallon, who we were talking about before we rolled tape, my, my, my long-standing friend in soccer, and, I, and he know, he's been around the world many times. Let's stop in London on the way home. We can catch a match and see the sights. And so we do. And he scores a couple of tickets. It was a Spurs-Chelsea game. 
6-1 Chelsea. Not a single goal scored by an Englishman. And this is in 97, so you can wow. see where Zola had two goals in that game. But you're there at White Hart Lane. They're my team. Drop a couple hundred bucks in the shop, buy everything I could, and there they are. That's 20-some-odd <laughs> years later. Wow. Yeah, that's how it happens. Yeah. You know, you can change your wife. You can change your job. You can change your religion. <laughs> But you can never change But your how club. did you become a fan of Tottenham after just one day? Because where else was I going? <laughs> it was the only club I, I was there. <laughs> yeah. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think that him criticizing me for liking Jurgen Klopp and liking Mo Salah, um, <laughs> this is a realistic reason to become a fan of Liverpool as it was for you right, to exactly. drop all that money on gear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the ML- MLS is up to, what, 48 teams now? I think it's seventy-two. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, we'll never have progr- you know promotion in this in this well, world. Promotion, relegation, the correct happened. timing of your football schedule. Could I you mean, imagine if there was relegation in the NFL? Oh, oh my so God! Twenty Niners would have been relegated. If you think thought ownership was fun ca- covering in twenty seventeen, I mean, your oh, three billion but the dollar investment. Is, what would you be relegated to? You the, know, the XFL. You, yeah, you'd <laughs> have to. There'd have to be a league. Yeah. The, Same in baseball. Yeah, there'd have to be a league. Same yeah. in baseball. Mr. Trump, would you like to start a league? Yeah. <laughs> Don't get him started. <laughs> As a matter of fact, let's have him start a league. Yeah. Let's have him full-time do that job. job. Yeah. Yeah. Full time <laughs> job. I'm, I'm gonna cut in there uh, <laughs> real quick I'm about here. To off the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> totally unrelated question, but I want to ask Bob about nuance, which was the uh, topic of his, of his recent commencement speech at, yeah. at Seton Hall. Congratulations Thank on, you. on getting that honor. You know, in, in sports and politics and anything, I, I think nuance is rarely rewarded in our current media ecosystem. So I'm curious what value you see in, in nuance and how you try to bring well, it in and we can open it up. I think Peter gave a great <laughs> example of nuance that verges on to stupidity or lack of nuance <laughs> verges on to stupidity. When people watch the same program and we'll do stories, we touch the third rail of American society race and we have done a number of programs on that. And, you know, when I used to believe that there was a reason to watch and read Twitter, you'd go and, and do that. And half of them calling you a racist from this standpoint, the other half, you know, you're wrong on this point. The same show plays down the middle. And with so many communications done, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here telling people to get off my digital porch, but whether it's a generational <laughs> thing, but take, your, take your, your heads out of your phone, look up and think. And we just don't see enough of that. Right. And, and yet our media and each of our mediums, if you will, um, aren't given to that. We have to be quick, we have to be accurate, we have to be fair, but it's got to fit 140, 280 characters. And that's tough to ask someone to say, well, wait a minute, there might be some, we were talking about the Oberlin College situation before, David and I, sure. before we rolled. And that's full of unanswered questions, yeah. I think. And you have to process who's reporting this, where are they coming from? Modern civil discourse isn't given to that. We got, we got to have some of that. And we don't. Did I stun the room? No, no, no. It's good <laughs> no, stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the one thing about, in my opinion, about civil discourse and what I don't really like about, let's forget the larger media. I'll take our media. Let's take the sports media. And I'll tell you the thing that I don't really, really love. I don't love the fact that you can be on TV on one of the 900 argument shows oh my that exist. Okay? And... There will be a statement that you make on that show or that someone will make on that show that will become for three hours absolute fodder on social media. And look, it's kind of like, I forget who once said this, but a talk show host, 
It might have been Mike or the Mad Dog. Um, but, you know, one of them said or somebody said, we're on the air for 25 to 30 hours every week. And you pick out two sentences that we said about one thing. And that's it's crazy that there aren't two sentences every hour that people would get outraged about. And the fact is, you simply can't talk the volume that is talked on television today with everything, at, you know, about sports without upsetting the apple cart occasionally. And we take it far, far, far too seriously. The opinions of people who are nothing but, and I don't mean to criticize them, they're nothing but glorified fans. They really aren't in the most cases. I'm nothing but a glorified fan who went to journalism school and worked my ass off to get where I am. And all I'm saying is I might write or say something that's really stupid sometimes. That's the way life goes. But, but Peter, to be fair, a lot of those people on the yelling shows, they are, they are trying to say something really stupid. I mean, that's their, their... Well, they're trying to say something notable. No, I would argue trying, they want to go viral. They're, they're, yeah. They want to go viral, and yeah. they're willing to say the 180-degree opposite thing the next day if that they think okay, that'll go Ian, viral. Okay, but Ian, let me ask you this and, question. Like, having covered the Warriors and having to chase some of these inane opinions <laughs> that are, you know, some guy puts it out there, and then all of a sudden we're like, is Kevin Durant really doing that? Is that really going to happen? But is that I, really going to happen? I'll, I'll, I'll ask like, you please. this question. Here's two basketball things that have driven me out of my mind. <laughs> I don't care that Skip Bayless doesn't like LeBron James. I don't care. Stop hitting me over the head with it 16 times a week, please. The other thing I don't care about is LeVar Ball. He is the Donald oh. Trump of basketball. And for some reason, for some reason, there are programs out there, some on ESPN, that give LeVar Ball no a more. microphone no more. all the time or whatever whatever happens. Yeah. Somebody else will, no, Bob. I know. Someone else will. And it took and that for someone to realize. Yeah, Maybe we all don't need I'm this saying, guy. the only thing I'm saying is we, you know, the bosses of these companies who will who will deign to put these guys on the air. In other words, they don't say, somebody should say to Skip Bayless, please stop talking about LeBron James the way you do. We're simply not going to employ you. Oh, I somebody watching. needs to have the stones I think his ratings, to say that. I think his ratings reflect that that's being said by the country at large. Yeah, I don't I mean, watch it. And I did talk radio, Peter, as you know, because you were one of the few, uh, one of the first guests on my show when I was at WNBC mid-'80s. And I did, what, 86 to 93, WNBC and WFAN. And at that time, it I, it w was a time to have conversation, try to learn something and not be incendiary and not to beat a drum like you just talked about. And I would I would never want a LeVar bar, uh, uh, ball on my show after one or two times I saw him on. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to have to deal with it's that really nonsense. Like, it's really like, I nonsense. hate to say it. I hate to say this, but when you bring LeVar Ball on your show, you're, what you're doing is you're a political show bringing Kellyanne Conway. And you're essentially saying, you have the license to come on my show and I hope you say something so, right, really outlandish right. because that will give us... that. Will Give you a make people pay, pay attention to us. What are the metrics we're all judged by, though? Clicks, yep. retweets, likes, and ratings. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Twitter is how much validity do we – I've stopped using it, frankly. I mean, it, it aggregates informed opinion to me, but the rest of it, no, because for all the things that we've just laid out. But um, 
uh, I mean, I, you, you talk about LeVar Ball not just having him on. His sons go to Lithuania. We had people in Lithuania for several that weeks. That was unreal. For several weeks. And finally, you know, we bring everybody back because at a certain point, though, it's a, it's a, it starts as a story. There is some validity. And, man, I just find LeVar Ball and so- that, it, He's, he's embarrassing. God. His attachment to a story leads you to think, oh, this story is BS. Yeah. But, you know, and then, of course. I, I, it when I see him up. on TV, I saw him on TV a couple of weeks, you know, most recently when he was on. And it's like, get away from me. You're just, you know, you're just shouting fire in a, in if a, you in were, a movie If you theater. were a basketball team. Man. If you were a basketball team, I get. Oh, I, I, I'm going to plead ignorance here, but if you're a basketball team, he has a son now who was supposed to be a freshman in college, right? Right. Who's going overseas to play. Going somewhere this year to yeah, play Australia, to, yeah. Australia yeah. to get by the NBA rule right. where you got to go to school for one year. So it, it, let's say he's a great player in Australia, and next year at this time he is rated the eighth player in the draft. Let's just say, wouldn't you, if you were sitting there at seven, eight, nine, ten, wouldn't you say, I wouldn't touch this guy with a ten foot pole? Wouldn't you say that? Don't because you his think parents the Lakers knew this to begin with with right. the eldest son? Well, why didn't they Which, do it? Well, this. <laughs> Why? Well, How functional stayed... are the Lakers? That question well, answers functional. itself. <laughs> Not functional at all. Exactly. But also, he stayed away from the Lakers because LeBron made it pretty clear that he wasn't. Thank goodness. In. Thank yeah. goodness. Because I, I can't. Will th- he push around the Pelicans? Man. Who knows? He mm. could. I know. I'll just say this as, as an African American in Rome. That's an embarrassment to me as a black male to see a guy acting like a fool like he does. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Right. It's unnecessary. And the Muhammad Ali Act has come and gone. Don't try to revive it. Don't you feel sad? For the his other children? thing is, he's. Yeah, you know what he no. is. You know what he is. He is a helicopter parent gone mm. way out of control. Because hey, I coached uh, girls softball for nineteen years or seventeen years, and I had a bunch of helicopter parents in travel softball. Believe me, <laughs> and there was an easy way to control them. And this is the way I'd control, uh, you know, the ball guy. I very simply, I would just say, hey, listen. You're not welcome at practice. You can come to the game, say whatever you want, but leave your son alone during the game. And that was those were our two rules when we played when I coached softball. When your child comes through the fence at Mount Hebron Field in Montclair, New Jersey, your child comes through that fence, you can talk to her after the game. There's no here, honey. Here's your water. Here's your snack. Here's it. If you have something, give it to one of the coaches. We'll give it to them. No communication with the coach. And I'm not trying to be a dictatorial sort. I'm, what I'm trying to say is, your daughter is. It's she's learning how to exist on her own. Exactly. In an Point organization, she. You're you're her mother. You can do whatever you want. But if you want to coach her for the next two hours, find another team. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on do not disturb, tuning out all the constant just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. You're, you're talking so much about the way athletes are, are raised and, and, and the professionals, the way they come into it. I'm curious for, for each of you, maybe for, for Anne, how you've seen the athletes you cover change over time, especially, you know, there's this idea maybe that they're more sensitive now. I don't know if you've seen that, but, but how in general you've seen the athletes, because you're working with them really over the course of the season, how you've seen athletes change that you've covered? Well, I think, it, you know, what Adam Silver said this year was interesting about um, that a lot of them are really unhappy. Um, I felt like he was talking directly to Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> he seems like a mis- miserable and, guy. And well, Kyrie, and, and right? So, so Kevin Durant um, came to the Warriors, uh, came out of Texas, lovely guy, um, super accessible. O- young at Oklahoma City, you know, I mean, he had us all in tears with his Wanda, you, right. you the right. real MVP um, speech. I got to know him a little bit at the Olympics, but right after he had signed with the Warriors, um, I always had this fabulous opinion of him. He was accessible. He kind of fit in with the whole culture of the Warriors that first year. And then he got more and more um, kind of withdrawn and seemed to part. Um, He did seem fairly unhappy for most of this year, which is weird because he's already gone through this free agency thing. If you sign a one-and-one, you don't make a long-term commitment. Now you are a two-time league MVP I mean, finals MVP, your, you know, your superstardom has gone to a whole other level. Of course, it's going to be this intense scrutiny. Of course <laughs> it is. Right? And so different. don't get mad at Ethan Strauss and yell at him, you know, to grow up. I mean, it's it's just it was really weird. It was very different. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like Adam Silver was in some way addressing that and addressing. I, I think that we're talking about social media a lot and, and they're. These guys are in their fo- on their phones all the time. As soon as the game's over, you go in oh, the locker room and they are that. sitting with their feet in ice yeah. buckets on their phones. And to have that instantaneous critique or or love, 
you the man. But it's just this constant, uh, you know, getting this constant feedback that I think is difficult. Now, I also cover some guys on that team that are really well-grounded. Steph Curry is about the most grounded athlete I've ever covered. Same age, same circumstances. So it's just the individual, you know. But Steph also has a, a... uh, he's married. He has three kids. He's super involved in his community. He's super um, – he's just a different personality. So he processes all that stuff differently. I think the guys who spend so much time in their head and thinking about it – so I think it's – I don't know that it's that different than um, – there's always been different individuals in sports. Some deal with the spotlight better and whether that's that spotlight now involves instantaneous feedback where it didn't used to. So it's 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 just different degrees. Well, but, it um, seems like it starts younger and younger too. I mean, I think it, it does if you start have ex- and and any any sport, exceptional skills, you're identified. Yeah, by back seven, to the Levar eight, Ball thing. Nine. You know, you it, think your kid's yeah, a superstar exactly. right at twelve, and now you're nine and ten. And you're throwing shutouts, or you're at the twelve points a game, and maybe you're thirteen and you can dunk. Or you get and separated. On, yeah. yeah, and you're on, you're not. It's not just Facebook and Twitter now. Max Preps has got or whatever all the websites. Sure. And yeah, that was around before, but now it, the echo chamber of all of these platforms, and you're you're growing to maturity as a human being with all of those stimuli. It's a it's a strong person who can like stay. I don't want to say abnormal if you're not, but to remain normally adjusted. Yeah, you I'll, know, I'll let you. Know, I'll let you know the next time I go in a clubhouse and I don't see. Everyone Nineteen of twenty five guys on in, with their face in their phone, and I'm the only guy that registered an objection. We had Cliff Lee for a cup of coffee. And I said, uh, said, uh, are you doing a lot of texting here? And doing a lot of stuff? I'm reading a book on my Kindle. I went, hey, tip of the cap, pal. You're yeah. the first one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when um, I remember when uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had the, you know, the uh, uh, the linebacker for the Chiefs, Javon Belcher, who oh. uh, murdered his girlfriend and then killed himself in the parking lot there, with Scott Pioli, the general manager, approaching him, trying to talk him out of it. Um, and I remember afterwards, Brady Quinn, the quarterback of the team at the time said, you know, we never really ask our teammates how they're doing. We might say, Hey, how you doing? What's up? Hey, but we never really want to know, you know why we have our heads buried in our phones. Yep. Um, I want to turn this slightly like 40 degrees different because Jacob, I think there might've been a sporting line of demarcation drawn in the season of 2017 with the Philadelphia Eagles. Because in my opinion, for so long, so many fans have said, I don't care what you guys think, just play ball. And it's like when, when I write about something even slightly political, I'll, I'll have a 8,500-word column on a Monday, and there will be 17 words that will have something uh, remotely to do with politics. So everybody calls me a political sports writer. I mean, it's a joke. But anyway. And what's wrong with that? What happened happened that year, what happened that year, I think, with the Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl, and I will never forget this. They played a Monday night game against Washington. Uh, Carson Wentz was, was in full flower. They killed Washington on that Monday night. And the next day, they had five players, including Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, Torrey Smith, get on an Amtrak train at 7.30 in the morning 
in uh, Philadelphia and take the train to Harrisburg. And starting at 1045 in the morning, they had meetings with state representatives at the state house in Harrisburg to talk about mandatory sentencing guidelines and to talk about four or five real world issues. Um, you know, there are too many blacks incarcerated and all. And so, and they got praised in some quarters and denigrated in other quarters. And I remember just recently, I talked to Malcolm Jenkins about it. And he basically said that, you know, one of the great things that happened in 2017 is we proved you don't just have to stick to sports. You can be great at the hardest sport in the world. You know, and anybody, whatever sport anybody plays <laughs> yeah. is the hardest sport right. in the world. But you can be great at the hardest sport in the world. And you know what? We have time off. Yeah. We have a day off. We can go to Harrisburg and we can lobby politicians. You're allowed to think Wait, but, for crying but, out loud. But, 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 Peter, well, we, we, you really think that was a line of demarcation? Because I, I just ran, so. I think I just so. ran I, into Colin Kaepernick sitting inside, you know, That's on a different the court, story. Colin Kaepernick, in my opinion, is an outlying type of story that is once a generation in sports. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles showed that, first of all, the Philadelphia Eagles, there's not a single one of them that were, uh, that I would say were, uh, you know, doing some of the incendiary things that Colin Kaepernick did. And now, before you, you say anything, I am absolutely, to this day, still, I wouldn't call it outrage, but I still think it is ridiculously unjust that he did not get another chance to play football. Right. However, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, basically, when they were at their facility, it's all football. Now, they may have done a few interviews there about, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that. But they didn't go demonstrating during games nearly as much as what Kaepernick did. And I'm not criticizing Kaepernick. I am fine with Kaepernick doing that. But I think the Eagles were a different story. What, what an impressive guy Jenkins is. Really? We had him on at the Super Bowl in Houston the year before when he was not a household name yep. out there. And he was doing ride-alongs with the Philadelphia Police Department. We had him on our show that. several yeah. times during the That's 17th good. season. And in addition to pursuing what you were talking about, Peter, and going for uh, down to Harrisburg, and they also spent time on Capitol Hill and yeah. we talked to him down there, managing the schism between the Colin Kaepernick wing, if you will, right. and the other side of the Players' Coalition – uh, and doing he that. refused. He refused to get blown up by that. Exactly. He refused to criticize Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Behind the scenes, there are a lot of hard feelings, as yes, we all know. Of yeah. course, but they, we but also they, didn't but they let un- him into a meeting. Yeah, well, they, they, uh, they understood the bigger picture, and I we had him on the set three days after the Super Bowl. I believe added to the things that Jenkins accomplished and managed. I think he and his wife had a brand new baby in the midst of all wow. of this. And so I I asked him, "How did you manage this?" And he. He, he didn't think it was anything special from the outside looking in. What it takes to do all of our jobs, and we're pretty good at we think of what we do, but these guys are by objectively the best here in the NFL. Okay. And to manage the politics and to manage that schism halfway through the season when Goodell you know, was sitting on a pile of dynamite that could have gone off under him. Yeah, and Malcolm managed that. That was remarkable. You know, I'm a Giants fan, but I was rooting for him. Well, and the I think the Eagles were remarkable, and Chris Long, I think, deserves a lot of the yes, credit he there does. because he was a white teammate who stood yeah. up, and, and that he was to me consistent. is one of the the, the great um, shortcomings in the NFL 
in particular. Yeah, there hasn't the been white, enough. Yeah, the white men who go side by side and they talk about we're going into battle and yeah. we're all you know yeah. doing this fight together. It's like they're not there. They were not there. They the white players on the 49ers were not there for Colin Kaepernick. Right. Eric Reed was there. Um, they they and if you really feel that this is your brother and you want to understand what they're going through and you're going to use all these you know analogies about war and battle and all that, I it's just. Chris Long was mm. was a very rare cat who, who he stood was up probably for what he, less than three or four guys to do it right, right around the right. lake. And yeah. I find that to this day um, a sad thing. Kind of akin to the look on Jerry Jones' face. I remember, we were wondering <laughs> how they would manage the kneel or not kneel on the Monday the night smirk, game. <laughs> Your word, and I'm not disagreeing with it at all. I was watching it live. I'm on the phone with my producer. We're going to do a show the next day. I, said, I can't believe how they just stage manage that right into the camera like I figured it out as I figure everything out is me and Bob Kraft run the league you know yeah. I say half kidding yeah. you can correct me Peter if you'd like <laughs> Peter's uh, sitting back with his hands on his head no so. I, I no I <laughs> no but, but I, I just thought that was masterful on one hand and I thought borderline you know what I th- you know what I did think though looking back on that I thought Roger Goodell should have come out a lot stronger uh, when, uh, when on a topic of when, whatever, uh, uh, when, yeah. when Donald Trump first, you know, in September of seventeen, the, yeah, yeah, the SOBs, the, all the names and yeah. sons of bitches, and all that. I mean, that that should have been a no doubt, uh, come out strong and basically saying, leave our players alone. Or or start talking intelligently about our players instead of in an incendiary way. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, it was so refreshing dealing with Adam Silver the last couple of months. Who when, who came into office with the crisis handed with the to him with the Clippers and just and, you know. and, and just they just that minority. How older. interesting was it, by the way? I because I'm not a big NBA fan, but how interesting was it to see at the NBA draft uh, Adam Silver get cheered? I said, oh, my God, Never I'm to a commissioner. I mean, I, I'm not what? used to a Lord commissioner getting supported by the fans. How what weird was it when there was an issue involving an owner, the Warriors minority owner, who yeah. had that awful oh, interaction. Took care and of they solved it right away. I, I, I got to the to the media, to our interview session the next morning when after we just found out that that guy was a minority owner. And I said to one of the NBA people, um, how are you guys going to put out a statement? And they said, it should be in your inbox. And by the time <laughs> by the time we got out of our interview yeah. session about an hour later, they had already punished him and banned him for it. And know, the story was over and you move yeah, on. The story yeah. was over in the NFL. It would have everyone would have lawyered oh, up. It would have right. taken it would have taken weeks. How and come, Goodell would have hemmed and hawed. Did you think that Goodell, you know, had the moxie, uh, you know, before before, you know, all this happened that he would stand up to Trump or do something like that? I mean, I thought to, he to, would. Def- to defend I the th- league? I thought he would. And I thought he should have to this day. And what, what's been the reaction like when he, he hears this kind of criticism? What, what kind he, of response? I think basically he just he wants to make it go away. I think he wants to make so, it go away. You know, it, and he and he thinks that he's not going to win fighting with the president. That's what he thinks. So he needs uh, a man up. Yeah, and I thought he should have. <laughs> but too. he's sitting on a league with you know he's got three factions of owners and he does allegedly and in, in fact work for them and he's managing that he's managing two segments of player right 
Uh, and a discord. good seventy percent of the owners right. in that league Support either Donald contributed Trump. to right. Donald Trump's right. reelection campaign or the inaugural, his inaugural yeah. campaign. And then what? Seventy-five, eighty percent of the league is black. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's he I, he is in a tough spot. But there are times when he needs to basically say, "This is wrong. Shut up." Well, leadership is called for. I mean, yeah. and you know that's what sports is supposed to be about, right? You know, about having courage. About having courage yeah, and yeah. being a leader when the moment calls for it. And the leader of uh, that league did not, I don't think, perform that way. You mentioned the, the Warriors uh, incident. I, I have a question. I don't know if you've seen this uh, recent statement from Adam Silver about that. They're going to use the word governor instead of owner. Yeah. I'm curious, by, by raise of hands or, or uh, vocal ascent, is that something you guys will do in your, in your writing or on your shows? Probably. Use the word governor yeah. rather than owner? Yeah. I mean, Draymond is one. Draymond mm-hmm. Green is one who really talked a lot about that. And I, it never really occurred to me before um, that it could be such a charged you know, relationship because sure, technically is this an asset they own the team, but really the people we call the owners, very few of them are the actual right. you know, owners the way, you know, I own that iPhone. Well actually I don't even own that. That's my work. <laughs> what, what do we really own? Let's continue. Moment of truth, huh? <laughs> but, um, but but I think that um I think, especially in these leagues, as you say, that you know the, the majority are African American, and and it's just like a weird dynamic. Mm-hmm. The majority of owners, I mean, all of them that I can think of Michael, are white. Yeah, governor um, has a much better softer the, sound yeah. to it. Does it. Have, but listen, I'm sorry. I'm not calling Jerry Jones the governor of the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones owns socks, jocks, players, stadiums, whatever. I'm, he's the owner of the team. I'm calling him the owner of the well, team. Like, you well, will we call Jed York the CEO, uh, principal but he, and that's CEO. a different story. If somebody is the majority owner of the team, I'm calling him the owner of the team. But you know, and I, I don't even know what I don't even know what percentage Jed York owns, if any. Well, I his parents own all of it. Right, right. So I'm not calling Jed York the owner of the team. I'm happy to call him the CEO or whatever his title is. I mean, I get the point with the players. Yeah, it, semantics, it, it's a word. Words it has power. I'm a 64 year old white guy. I'm not a 23 year old black millionaire trying to make my way through the NBA. And I get it. And I think those teams that will make that change, is, is the league going to do it league-wide? Or the is league it, says they've been doing it internally for years now, which I'm not totally I mean, sure on. But What it represents to me is it, it's an it's it's not just a gesture. It's a small action that shows you care and you listen. What does it cha- hurt to change your business card or change a listing on the team website? I think it's a gesture of goodwill and empathy and nuance, and we don't have enough of that. Right. And what is it? What if it's going to make the interpersonal relationships more fruitful and put you in a better place? It's a small step. Do it. But I understand what you're saying, Peter. Yeah, Jerry I mean, Jones it's, is it's, the Cowboys. He's it, the Chief person. The person who owns the franchise. I'm not saying I would never call Jerry that 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 Jerry Jones, Stan Kroenke. I mean, I've got to think of all the different ownership groups in the NFL. Obviously, the Giants have a different thing. They have two co-owners. But I just think we're getting a little bit... PC, huh? We're getting a little bit I don't think PC. it's totally snowflake. I mean, I, I can sort of understand where they're coming from. I, I, I understand your point. Yeah. But there's a certain sensitivity that hits uh, that hits that nerve, yeah. and you talk about the third rail I, in, I the, in the country. I and for some people, it's like that's just the perpetuation of the yeah, whole thing. And it's like, damn, man, we got enough going on. Now you're pounding me with this too. But you at know? least we know in slap shot, we can still have the Goldie suit. Who owns the Chiefs? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well done. This is uh, this is great. I, I know you guys have some awards to get, so I'm, I'm going to ask one final question. We can kind of go around the room. I'm curious, you know, given given all we've talked about, do you think this is a, a good time for for a young person to get into sports media? Do you think? What, what do you think about the future of, of this business that you guys have, have invested so much in? Well, I think it's. Um a good time. I, I when people say to me, "What's it going to look like in ten years?" I'm like, "You're going to be the one to decide that, young <laughs> young person." Um, I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I think that um, it's a great uh, a continuing conversation. Whatever we think of social media, um, I think it it has fueled sports and helped it become even more. Um, all-encompassing and and and, and the other right? thing and important and the other thing I will say about social media from a woman's point of view, mm-hmm. things do not get swept under the rug anymore. Mm-hmm. If someone batters their wife Ooh. or does something, that doesn't go away, you know. And and I, for years, especially in the NFL, I would see this kind of thing get swept under the rug. It would just get dropped. It would disappear. Things don't disappear thanks to social media, and that irritates a lot of people. But I think it's a very good development. I think it's. I think it's interesting. I think, um, you know, it's just changing. Like every every couple of months, it's something different. You know, there's a new idea about how this is all going to work, and then we recreate the wheel again. But <laughs> but there's still interesting people, interesting stories, interesting conflicts between power and just the stuff we're talking about right now. So. Yeah, I think it's a good time. Why not? I don't know what the money is, but it's a good time. <laughs> it's a great entertainment, and I don't think it's going away. People love it. It's such an incredible vehicle. It also makes you think, too. And, uh, and, and Yeah, good point, <laughs> hopefully. And, you know, certainly since before I was born, I mean, the diversity aspect has gotten a heck of a lot better. It's gotten a lot better since I, I joined in. I mean, I, I was an intern in 1973. And even now, I'm one of two black Americans who are calling Major League Baseball on a full-time basis. I mean, I'd like to see that number change yeah. at some point. Yeah. And, and I'd like to see more African-American kids get into Major League Baseball because not everybody can be LeBron or uh, you know pick a football player. So I, I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the, the exchange of ideas like this. And, and like you said, on the social, social media, it has its good, it has, it has its bad, like everything in life. We've seen so much change. Nobody knows what the next five years will be. But I think people coming into the field now, and I speak at a number of schools and classrooms, and there's so many good ideas. And you have it in your hands because of the digital revolution, your website, your RSS, whatever it is, you can get stuff out there and create a name for yourself. Uh, And the primacy that traditional companies have had, we see it everywhere in media. You know, the pie has many more pieces to it now. So there's room for you, but it's going to be the gig economy. There's no doubt about that. You won't be sitting here, you know, Peter and I, you know, 40 years doing our thing, you know, so many for the same company in some cases. That ain't going to be the case. You have to recalibrate it. But you can define it. You can define your career. And I, I come on in. We need good, young, smart people, and they're there. Yeah. I would say this, Bob. In 1975, when I went off to college at Ohio University, there was only one thing I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer for a newspaper. And then I wanted to climb the ladder. And eventually, at some point in my life, I wanted to work, whether it be in sports or news or anything, for the Boston Globe or the Washington Post or some big newspaper. That's all I thought of. I never one time in my life thought of doing radio, thought of doing television. And obviously, that's much more than a decade before the internet even existed. So the thought that today, uh, so here we are now, we're four decades later, 
And, um, you know, I recorded a podcast interview today with uh, Doc Emmerich uh, here in Winston-Salem. Um, I will, uh, I've got two stories planned for Football Night in America on NBC this year that I'm really <laughs> excited about. Different, weird type stories that are fun. Uh, I am doing a lot of writing still, but I'm doing, you know, a weekly podcast. And the other thing I think that we all have to realize, there is room for storytelling. I don't know what way it's going to be told. I don't know if there will become a spate of 30 for 30 type networks. I don't know if it's going to be... Uh, you know, some some great podcast opportunities out there where instead of being on the treadmill and listening to music, four out of five people are listening to mysteries on a podcast or, or, or information programs. I don't know. All I know when I talk to student groups, the one thing I say is there is always a place for great storytelling and great reporting. Just find it. I don't know what it's going to be. You find it, you define it, and you do it. Awesome. That's that's a great note to end on. So I just want to thank you guys all again. And Bob, Dave, and Peter, congrats also thank you. on thank the you. awards. And uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime Thanks soon. Thanks for having us. Thank Absolutely. you, guys. Thank Thanks you. for your time. All right. Well, that, that's it, folks, uh, from Winston-Salem, the National Sports Media Association Hall of Fame Roundtable with Bob Lee and Killian Peter King and Dave Sims. Definitely go check out their work. I'm at Jacob Feldman 4 on Twitter if you want to let me know what you thought. Jimmy, we'll be back uh, in the seat next week. Until then, make sure to subscribe, share, and thanks for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.